Welcome. I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in Ohm podcast. Black Girl in Ohm exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. Hey, y'all. So you know that I am into the rituals, okay? In the circle, we're always talking about the power of ritual as a means to returning back to ourselves, remembering who we really are. This is why I love today's episode sponsor, Soulful Vibes Co. You can shop by intention on their site. If you're interested in ancestral healing, if you're interested in the chakras, if you're looking forward to the upcoming new moon or full moon, you can shop by intention and get whatever spiritual or metaphysical product you may need to help supplement your existing rituals and self-care, self-love, and healing journey. They got you with the Florida waters. They got you with the incense, the herbs and the salts for your next bath. I even got some crystals and some candles from them. Head over to their website, soulfulvibesco.com. Guess what? They're hooking it up with 15% off. So use code BGIO15. Again, that's soulfulvibesco.com. BGIO15 gets you 15% off. Give them a follow on the gram too, because it's popping at Soulful Vibes Co. I am so grateful to have you on the Black Girl Known Podcast. We've been talking about this for a minute and (laughs) you are here. And I have this season in particular been offering space for our guests to introduce themselves and share who you are in this moment and all of you (laughs) as it stands right now. So, Dr. G, take it away. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. It's an honor to introduce oneself because it almost feels like in each moment is an opportunity to rename yourself. And so uh, I feel that I'm a healer. I'm holding space for not just people. I feel like I'm holding space for the shift of nature and the winds. I really have been indulging myself in taking down the veil of this life and the next. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time in transcendent spaces and and doing yoga nindras and learning and also aiming to teach that. I really want to make this accessible. And I'm a writer. And that's something that I have kept to myself for most of my life and given little inklings out, but now feel like I'm in full manifestation mode and just offering and channeling and offering. And and that cycle has been a beautiful conversation with the divine. So Those are the spaces and areas that I found myself in and really about immortality. Like we are immortal beings. And so how do we, how do we bring this into tangible teachings for others? So thank you for that. I mean, we're going to get into immortality. We're going to get into the space of the void because you spoke to yoga nidra and you know that I'm also in that space as well, both practicing and, and learning to teach. I thought it would be really beautiful, though, if first we speak to how we first connected and how we met, because to be honest, it feels like a magical dream. Yeah. And to think that that was only last year. Yes. Like- yes. So 
you know, I'm just so grateful to the wonderful presence that is Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams mm-hmm. for following her truth and her path and, and holding space with a retreat called Being Transformation. And both you and I and about 20 other amazing Mm -hmm. people, um, Um, very different, all of us incredibly different, seemingly, right? Because we all went there with intentions that I'd say would intersect, hence why we were selected and why we were brought together. And it was in Molokai, which is a beautiful island that is one of many islands making up Hawaii. And, you know, when I think about that time that we shared and I'd love to hear you share as well I just think about so many moments of vulnerability so Mm. many moments of heart first everything right it was like you couldn't hide there (laughs) (laughs) it was like you had to bring all of you you were invited to bring all of you we were invited literally every day to deepen into our triggers I will never forget I think it was day one Reverend Angel said If you leave this experience and you have not been triggered, there is something wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) It was designed in part for us to get triggered so that we could learn how to come back to our center, come back to point and Mm -hmm. find our own inner sense of groundedness in who we really are. Mm. And one of my most profound moments, I actually returned to my journal entry about it the other day and wrote a whole new piece about it that I intend on sharing in my book, speaking about writing, was the moment that you, me, and Yasmin shared in the Mm. grass where we Mm. literally had to look one another in one another's eyes for I don't know how long it felt like an eternity and ask the question, Dr. G, how do you lie? Yeah. Oof. Lauren, how do you lie? And we had to answer. Yeah. Again and again and again. So, yeah. How do you feel about that moment? And how do you feel about, like, yeah, the energy of that time that we shared? And what did you most kind of take away from that experience yourself? Mm. That was a me trip. And it was like one of the first trips I think I'd taken for a long time that was just about... I wanted a mirror held up. You know, you got to be careful what you wish for. And I really wanted to be back on island. That energy is close to my heritage. You know, I'm half Haitian, I'm half Trinidadian. Like, those are my roots. And I said, I, I need water. I need the oceans to to guide me. Molokai is a liberated land. I mean, you get on that red earth and it's like, we are not messing around. We're not playing here. Y'all yes. are here to do the work. There wasn't room for capitalism there. To be in a land where I didn't feel the itch of capitalism was amazing. And that retreat, I didn't know, I really didn't know what would happen, but what two things stick out for me is that my posture has literally changed. I remember doing a posture alignment and as part of our, you know, is mind, body and spirit and just getting an evaluation of like, where are you holding and where are you giving? And I was like bowed like a broken bow and I've been dedicated to that practice this last year of recentering, like recurving my spine. Yes. I walk differently to a point where I'm just learning who is this being who is walking in this body right now. That's amazing. That is mind altering. And yeah, in our time, 
how do you like, I don't even know. I know. <laughs> That's so powerful. This yeah. like physiological manifestation of these inner shifts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that that makes me think about something that I know that you want to talk about, which is this concept and practice of being a spiritual warrior. And I think that given the energy of this year and this very clearly new era that we're being in, invited and some of us are saying yes and some of us are holding on to an old paradigm, um, but we're all being invited to step into, what does it mean for you to take up the charge of being a spiritual warrior? It's an openness to viewing myself as a vessel, a vessel of tremendous time travel to be in constant communication with the divine. And in my personal manifestation, I feel like is making things feel really practical to people, making things that seem pretty esoteric and unattainable or all about quote unquote, the impossible and making that possible with the connection to the divine. And atheist, agnostic, whatever you're, it's beyond religion. It is about your connection with something that's greater than yourself. And if you really look at, like, I look at Black bodies, I look at Black queer bodies, which I happen to inhabit in this lifetime, and I'm like, how come we're not all gone? We are still here. We are still here. And not just here, we are thriving. Yes. We are thriving. And I'm like, that does not follow any equation of this land. And so warriorship for me, I feel like, is a path of that. It is of realizing our... I dare say immortality, right? Because we are a collective conscious that keeps going on, that a system keeps trying to squash that it can't. Yes. It can't. Yes. So, so yeah, my work, I've just, I've really aligned with that. And it's like, what are our tools? What are our weapons in this fight that we're, we're probably always going to be fighting in some way, shape or form because unless the human mind really uplifts and how it relates to and needs and other in order to feel full of itself, you know? That part. Yeah, that is the paradigm that, I don't care what you want to call it, you can call it whiteness, you call it capitalism, whatever, that paradigm of otherness, and that is the ground of your fullness. Yeah. Yes. Mm -mm. Yes. And your identification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. When that is how you know who you are. Right. Build empires and worlds and systems. I mean, come on now. Like, mm -hmm. Yes. And for you, I know that you have many practices that support you in knowing who you are outside of these systems. And I'd like to actually return to Yoga Nidra only because I know that we both have that in common as a very beloved practice for remembering from where we come accessing the void. I'd love for you to speak about what yoga nidra means for you in relationship to this idea of taking up and saying yes to inhabiting this spiritual warrior path. Mm. How does that practice complement that path for you? Mm. I feel like nidra practice is an expedited way to, whether it's for 10 minutes or half hour, be in conversation with the divine. It's that in-between space. And it's beyond words. I mean, that's the space where I feel my body tangible or not, and the mind 
is in complete harmony and conversation with that space. And in a way, like the edges of this being starts to dissolve and that makes anything possible. I mean, the practice of allowing yourself to dissolve in all of these different ways by deeply resting, deeply surrendering to, that is what opens up this whole other conversation, this whole other way of being that could be possible if we were to suspend all the constructs of our mind, my mind included, you know, like I, I still have things that pop up and I'm still like making effort to, yes. but Nindris feels effortless yes. in just allowing that to be shed so that I can see, so that possibility arises, so that dream becomes reality. Yes. Yeah. And for you, you know, this idea of dissolving You speak to it in this way where I sense that it is something that you are comfortable with or have learned to embrace. For many of us, though, this idea of dissolving (laughs) is very terrifying. You know, I myself have seen this in a loved one of mine this year. It has been triggered by COVID. I mean, COVID has triggered so many things for so many of us, right? But this loved one lost, you know, their job and in losing their job, lost their entire identity mm-hmm. or what they perceived their identity to be. <laughs> yeah. And it has been a constant spiral ever since. And mm-hmm. it has been very, very painful for me and many people in relationship to them to witness this because mm-hmm. When you see someone and you see the potential and you see the possibility of what a seeming hardship in the material realm could actually mean for them, right? Reclaiming Mm. who they really are, returning to their highest self, knowing that life is happening for, not to, all of these things. It's really, really hard. And like to me, I literally have seen this as a dissolution of this former identity and this in-between that has been, again, very excruciating and painful both for this person and for me and everyone in relationship with this person because it's like that old identity actually never really served you and it never really served anyone else. It was always rooted in capitalism. It was always rooted in patriarchy as well. Very toxic masculinity. But with everything ripped away... (laughs) Mm-hmm. there's this space of like, who am I? Where, what am I doing? And that's yeah. really the magical question. That's really the magical space. And Yoga Nidra helps facilitate for those of us who are ready and say yes and deepen into it, the practice of dissolution, the practice of death, the practice of rebirth on the other side of death. Death isn't just death. (laughs) Death is also (laughs) always in relationship too. So there's the rebirth on the other side of it. So I guess like, you know, if you could share a little bit more about like what your journey has been with getting, again, I'm just perceiving it to be comfort with the solution, but maybe it's not. And then also (laughs) how you help support others in relating to it in an intentional way as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm growing comfortable. And I think that there are always going to be spaces that they're going to be a little bit more of a rub for me to let go and dissolve. And that's just why this is a lifelong path. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. I think what has helped me is I'm an extremely honest person um, and I'm really comfortable with messy. 
And by that, I mean, like, whatever you feel in a moment, I'm like, okay, let's just play with it. I would rather see it than not see it. Mm. And that has allowed me to be able to look at and be in actually really dark spaces. Like I can be in a really dark space on the edge of jumping off a cliff and still be able to hang out the edge and look at the top of the trees. Um, and so I think my personal path in having to be in various hell <laughs> spaces and still be able to find this morsel of light mm-hmm. in conjunction and all has space has allowed me to then say, well, you know, then it's okay if this gets let go or it's okay if this intensifies because there's actually a lot more. And maybe I can't actually personally see it in this very moment, but I know it's a possibility. And I think my mom who passed um, two years, almost two years ago now, two years ago now, was one of my most profound lessons in letting go of who I thought I was as a being. Mm. Uh, She had Alzheimer's and it gets to a point sometimes that they are unaware of and they're trying to just piece together their world. And so whomever you are is whomever they might recall at any given Mm. moment from any point of time in their memory and recollection. And so I would appear and she would be like, hey, Marie, which was her sister. And I'm like, no, like, I'm your daughter. I'm your only daughter. Like, how could you get me? And it started with this emphatic, like, holding, right? You know, onto, like, this identity of who I am and who I am most importantly in relationship to you, right? And so, like, relationship too, we are really trying to find anchor in relationship fundamentally. And so over time, I realized that that would pain her. She would be shocked by like, how come you're not this person who I just saw? How, why are you resisting? And the heartache that it brought her in me asserting my ego of, you know, Claudel Rene Therese Glasgow, you know, da, da, da. Like, I was like, end game, end game. I'm causing suffering here. I need to figure out another way. And so, you know, it became play for me that you know she would show up and i would be i don't know bob you know i'd be frank i'd be the mailman you know whatever um and i was like great that is who i am and it became like a veil that i put on and i was what would it feel like to be that person i have no idea but i am going to use how you are relating to me to embody that in this moment and it will dissolve in the next moment and so like you know a year of playing with her literally i call it playing um and it's what i call this in between space when we get the rug pulled from under us is it is play and children know how to do it and we still know how to do it yeah and so that's how i help my clients you know and the people who choose to work with me is i'm like this is play and i'm not scared in the space of play and there's room for fear and there's also room for an abundance of other experience and how can we create a sense of welcoming of that and see what happens thank you so much for sharing that i mean There is so much power in telling our stories around loss and the transition of a loved one. And we always have choice in in opening up about that. So I just like honor you for opening up about that and sharing about your mother. And it's so powerful that you essentially told your mind, we're going to start to relate to this differently. It's play now which then allowed you to have a different experience and allowed your mother to also be less pained and you to be less pained. Mm -hmm. That's really profound. Mm -hmm. That's really profound. I mean, 
I think about how whenever I'm going through a very particularly intense period of spiritual growth, that I myself am shifting in my identity and I'm inherently relating to others differently. And so moments like what you spoke to happen and am I attaching to the old (laughs) interaction that we used to have? A lot of the times, yes. Is the other person attaching to the old interaction that we used to have? Yeah, and and, you know, it's said a lot, but like essentially we're constantly dying. We just don't talk about it. And we welcome some aspects of dying, right? We want to graduate high school. We want to go to college. You know, we want to, you know, get out of this relationship and go into another one. Like, we are okay with it as long as we perceive that it's in our control. Yes. It's when it, quote unquote, happens to us that we're like, oh, damn, like, no, I'm not about that. Yes. Like, you can't have it both ways. Yes. You really can. And you also trust you welcome it a lot of the time. So can we be in appreciation for the times where you are in appreciation of this process? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I understand also that you're a death doula. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this year there has been a lot more literal death as well as metaphorical system shifting paradigms, dissolving all the things you know, obviously the impact of COVID is tremendous. Um, obviously the impact of Black lives lost in ways that never should be lost is is really tremendous as well. So how have you seen the nature of your work shift and the importance of your work perhaps made more evident as well? Mm. This is very much like, a, I feel like a, a work in progress. On the micro I've been talking about this for a while before knowing what a death doula was, in that I'm looking at the way that Black bodies move through time and move in relationship to the systems that we've been a part of. And I'm like, y'all, we're going to kill ourselves Mm. a lot faster. Mm. So that's the inevitable death that we are in how we're engaging in the system. And so how can we engage in the system in a more liberated way? I don't think consider death as like just the end point. It's the period between birth and the next lifetime, right? So I'm like, how are you living? How are you living your yes. life? And how can you live your life with a sense of an appreciation for all that comes into it and all that you choose to devote your time and energy to? How can you be in choice? And so I've addressed death and dying as that first, is like, how are we living? And how can we live outside of the system that's actually killing us? And how are we saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to shorten my life for, you know, this bends, like, whatever. Is that really what is valuable to you? Let's really be in choice here Mm -hmm. and seeing that there is choice. And the other thing, it's maybe unfortunate is I give people the unpleasant reality that like, it's going to happen. And that can be okay. Right. And so what do you need around your space. Let's prepare. Every day is our last. Every moment's our last, whether it's the hands of a system or our own or the gods. It's going to happen. So what what do you need to have a peaceful death and really like a life of gratitude? Wow. What do you need? How can we create that? Wow. And so I think COVID has really like, um, I come from a family of emergency care workers. So like we're we're actually really comfortable in just having death be on the table. My mm-hmm. grandfather's a mortician. Like, it's in my blood that it's part of life. It is a ritual. It is a passing. And so I'm really trying to get people to talk about creating legacy for themselves. Like, 
black across the diaspora like has a strong legacy so what are we passing on you know yes and we got to take care of our own when we know how to do that we know how to do that and so i hate to say that i was happy about when covid happened because i knew that this would eventually happen because my mind went through a lot of people are going to die and we're not going to have capacity mm-hmm. like licensed all this credential yada yada capacity to perform the ritual and that's going to leave us hanging and so how can we create ritual for ourselves like let's take this back in our homes and create our own home funerals our own home rituals our own home going spaces and places so that we can do this ritual together still yes. we just have to be creative and we've done yes. it before and we'll do it again you just said we've done it before and that speaks to something that pops into my head probably a minute before you said that, which is that we do have inherited practices from the ancestors around death and dying and making it a ritual. This notion of, of being afraid of death and this way of mourning that perhaps we see more culturally accepted, I'm just speaking within the United States, mm-hmm. isn't our way as like indigenous Black people. And I know that there's different lineages, right? You spoke to your people, Haitian and where else? Trinidad. Trinidad, yes. So, you know, we're we're from all over the place. But what are maybe like one or two rituals that you would say are of the diaspora that you would invite us to remember and return to when it comes to death and, and honoring that transition? Mm. I think two things stick out for me. One is body washing. And the other is storytelling. So I'll start with the first. The way we care, like Black people care for other Black bodies, and we slather and we wash and we comb and arrange the hair, and we are we do and care for our bodies the way that no one else can. And that is just a beautiful service and ritual in, in, in sending a person off. Is, is really being able to do that for yourself or even being able to assist depending on what your limitations are. But that and like being able to like keep body and home, even if it's just for a day so that people can come and visit that being, it's nothing that's gonna happen, you know, to the body in that period of time, but to be able to mourn and have the space without the watchful eyes of a time limit is really important. And that sense of timelessness and in your own time is really important to Caribbean culture. Like we are just taking, it takes the time it takes. Like if I'm on my way someplace and I meet up with you, I want to talk to you. And this is what's important. I'm going to spend two hours and talk to you and then I'll get to my thing. It's okay. It all gets done, right? It all gets done. Yes. And so in the same way, can we give ourselves the time that it takes to be with this person and this being as they are shifting into spaces in the ancestral realm? And the other is story. I'll like never forget that about when my grandmother passed. And it's like you continue the life and the consciousness of the person by telling story, even in in mundane ways. I mean, you're like doing an everyday thing. And this is outside of the ceremony of the actual death. But like later on, you know, you pick up like this, this sweater is from my great grandmother. And so and one of the buttons is missing and I found the other button and (laughs) And it was like this whole tangential story, you know, like I'm talking about something and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I found this button, but you know, Grimmie was something else because she would wear this sweater and some people, it drives them crazy. They're like, can you get to the point? I'm like, no, I am bringing her presence here. Like I'm calling her in by telling this story and having her at my back. And 
and that brings life that yes. brings her lineage forward yes and so in many ways like i'll always miss her but i always will not because i'm always bringing her present yes yeah. thank you for that I really mm -hmm. appreciate too, like literally your ancestor is at your back because the sweater <laughs> is behind you in the chair. Mm -hmm. And that was something that we were invited to practice feeling into a lot when we were in Molokai um, around feeling the ancestor at your back, like finding your stance, rooting yourself in the earth, lifting yeah. yourself upright and knowing that you're not alone. Yes. And I feel like a conversation about death and passing and transition is always inherently, even if we don't name it, connected to the ancestors. Like, we are a continuation. We are a continuation. And talking about this now, you know, you noted this at the beginning of our conversation, but the veil is thin <laughs> yes. right now. And so how are we tapping into and opening ourselves up to receive messages and information around life and death mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. You know, and I tell people some that scares some people. They're like, um, from whom, when, you know, like, like I don't need, yes. I don't need any voices talking to me, you know. Yes. Um, but I also say just to be more tangible is to just look at nature. Yes. And it is moving. It is shifting. It is offering message. You ask and something will be offered. So if you want something that seems quote unquote, less uh, scary to you. <laughs> I mean, for me, one taste, it's the same realm. It's true. But you like a tree and a bird? Cool. Then yes. like you know, your great grandmother? Sure. Yes. <laughs> you know? But it's still the same message. I mean, I'm <laughs> laughing a little bit because when I was staying home with family for the better part of, of this year, you know, I, I have a very strong connection with nature. You might remember this. Remember the cockroaches? Yeah. That I saw three times on my bed and, and realized it was an ancestor? Yes. <sighs> <laughs> that ancestor was stressing me, though. Stressing me. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was home earlier this year, though, I would always see these birds, like really special birds, you know? And I kept on telling my mom, like, oh, there's grandma there. There's grandma there. And a couple months go by, my mom was like, I wonder what she thinks about you always saying that that bird is her. And I was like, oh, wow, that's funny. <laughs> I was like, but it is her. I feel like it is. <laughs> but it was really funny. It was just kind of this coy moment because my mom is rarely sarcastic or rarely like pokes fun like that, you know? <laughs> so honestly, I feel like that may have been my grandmother speaking through her because my mom does not say things like that. So I was just laughing. <laughs> oh my God. It was so funny. But, you know, I'm glad you brought up nature, too, because I know you also wanted to kind of deepen into connecting with nature as a, as a form of resistance. So mm. let's get into that. And I know mm. that you live in a beautiful landscape. You send me photos oh. sometimes. I'm like, bring me there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm gifted and very blessed to be on uh, occupied Duwamish land, for sure. I mean, the seas... The water has called me. I, I am a water water being for sure. You know, I love the theory and about interconnectedness from Buddhism. It's one of the things that resonated with me that made all the sense. It did in Christianity too, but no one wanted to admit it that we're like, <laughs> if we're godlike, then I'm God, right? right? Like it's all the same to me. 
But yeah. I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are elemental beings. Yes. We are elemental beings. Yes. There is not one element that is not a part of me. Even metal, like I gotta yes. get that out. But I mean, even metal, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that is what nature is composed of. So how can we be different? Yeah. How can we be any different? And I didn't really, you know, I grew up in New York City, so in some ways I really didn't have a lot of quote unquote like lushness as I do now, but I still gravitated towards it. And I remember the first time I went on a solitary retreat, I was in a cabin in the woods by myself for the first time as a city kid, you know, so you don't know, there are all, a whole lot of sounds <laughs> that are being made out there. Um, <laughs> But what I started to know that no one prepared me for. (laughs) I'm laughing because I have, you know, a few friends who are born and raised New Yorkers. The way that y'all respond to nature is unique. Is unique. It is. It is. I'm just saying people just just need to give you like a short tutorial, like some audio about like if you hear something that goes, it's a squirrel. If it stops, it's something bigger. You know, like I got that download. I was okay. But before that, um, but in solitary retreat, I'm doing my practices and I'm in the zone for like a week and I'm alone, which I don't mind. But what started happening around me as I started looking outside in nature was like the as I was having hard feelings, it'd be raining, and all of a sudden we'd have frost when I didn't want to do anything. And I'm like, we're we're having there's something happening here. Yes, there's a conversation happening here. And I mean, in some ways, I'm moving nature. Nature is moving me. We are mirroring mm. one another. Yes, and that blew blew my mind until the last night. All the deer came up to my porch my little porch yes i'm having my final meal and they were just sitting out there multiple multiple just hanging out with me and then i was like oh well that's just that's it i love that we're one in the same i love that i love deer is one of the animals that i connect with the most Mm -hmm. so that just warmed my heart and Mm -hmm. uh Yes, everything you said. I mean, I had so, I, I've had more profound moments this year with nature than ever before, and mm. a it's because I'm open to receive it. You know, mm. I vividly remember actually when we were on island. You remember how we had like our little cute little cabins, but it was like far away from where the outhouses were. I'm also saying outhouses as if it wasn't glamorous. This place was beautiful, y'all. <laughs> I was gonna say. But it was still like a separated bathroom area yeah. from where we slept. <laughs> right. And I remember always like making a special point to like go to the bathroom like before I went to bed so that I wouldn't have to wake up in the middle of the night. Right. But that was because my mind had told me that it would be scary for me to be in nature at night. And so, of mm-hmm. course, God blessed me with this beautiful moment where I woke up in the middle of the night, needed to go to the bathroom. And it was like not a it was not a hold it till morning situation. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. up and you know what I received? And I, I say this mantra all the time now. Literally every step that I took from my bed to the bathroom and then on the way back, because it was a good amount of time and it was pitch black dark in the middle of an island. I said, mm-hmm. I am in harmony with nature. I am at harmony Mm. with nature. I am at harmony with nature. I said that the whole way through. Mm. And I have not had fear anymore. 
in nature, particularly in the dark in nature. And like mm-hmm. I've had some experiences since then because I literally be out <laughs> in in the woods, y'all. Like I had my friend Cece recently came to visit me, and I took her to my favorite park here in in Minnesota in St. Paul. It's Battle Creek. Shout out Battle Creek. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the sun was setting and she was like, how much time do you think we have before it gets dark? I was like, oh, we're good. Of course it gets dark. We're running through the woods. And the whole (laughs) time I'm just like, I'm at Harmony with Nature. We are running because, you know, I'm not afraid of nature. There's some people out in these streets that I don't need to be seeing in the dark, especially as a black woman, right? Mm -hmm. But also Mm -hmm. like we were deep on the path (laughs) but the whole time I was like girl it's all good we had harmony with nature (laughs) but it's true it's true and like I think for most of us I mean it also depends on when we grew up but I was like a late 80s kid you know so I grew up in the 90s and I spent so much time outside Mm -hmm. and I wasn't fearful I wasn't scared I loved it I loved it in the winter and the freezing cold I loved it in the summer when it was hot I loved it when it was raining I loved it in all elements and I maybe this makes me sound old but like are the kids these days you know taught to play and enjoy and be in relationship with are they taught the sacred nature of the earth I just hope that we can teach that more and make that more evident. Yeah, for sure. It is a gift. I think we're the, probably the last in between, I call it the in between generation, like mm-hmm. where we had that, what do they call them free range children, like quote unquote, like you just play. Yes. But I think this way that we have grown more attached to fear and then, then we need policy and then actually that ends up being the prisons for our kids' play that man that has cut that and so it needs to be a conscious effort yes for children these days for sure yes mm-hmm. for children these days see we do sound mm-hmm. old <laughs> I, i'm being old i'm <laughs> i mean i'm an elder i'm an I, elder in my spirit mm-hmm. i'm just an elder period <laughs> you are an elder <laughs> you are an elder you feel very much like an elder to me i had to i came across an old letter my mom wrote it was really short and she was writing about me and who I was and who, from her point of view. And she literally called me an old man, not an old woman, an old man. I must have been about six years old at that time. So I've just resigned to knowing that I have been an old man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, you inherited that energy from someone in your lineage. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well, what else? What else is present for you, you know, as we look towards 2021? Mm -hmm. What's present for you? What's important for you that you would also offer up to our community to take up as a practice or ritual or embodiment? Mm -hmm. I keep coming back to the arts. I keep coming back to the arts in the sense of the, the creative capacity of our minds. And I would love people, and I think people are doing this, I know, and I want more people to dream without limitation, dream themselves bigger, dream themselves bigger, erase the edges and then redraw them again. Mm -hmm. We're in a space where we have enough creative license to recreate what we want to see. Mm -hmm. And so let's not, you know, I've been really studying a lot about revolutions in Haiti and in Trinidad and I'm like 
the thing we did quote unquote wrong in part was that we didn't dream bigger and we dreamt within the system that was already there. Mm. But clean the slate, give yourself a clean piece of paper and say, step one, what do you want to see? Put down that first tree, that first whatever is important to you. But that's what I want for people and, and know that that is possible. Yes. The minute we put our minds to an intention, yes. I can't tell you how powerful that is. And that is what has allowed in part our ancestors to be successful and to do what seems to be the impossible because they created, they embodied, they asked for the spirit for guidance and they moved Yes, one step at a time. Yes. You know, I love this. <laughs> you know, I love this. I mean, the two overarching guiding concepts for my life in 2020 that I received at the end of 2019 are imagination and commitment. Mm. So those have been what I've returned to at each and every turn, even mm. when my mind didn't like it, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, you dare to have you know, an imagination in a year where literally the powers that be would rather us have none and fall into all of the narratives and tropes that we receive, right? Recession, scarcity, no jobs, poverty, sickness. Literally, we're just bombarded with like these words over and over and over and over. And if we are not fiercely protective of our imaginations and of our consciousness, then it just merges with <laughs> what is currently the collective consciousness, which is fear, which is anxiety, which is worry, distrust, dis-ease. Mm -hmm. And it is possible. And it's also urgently necessary for us to remember that we can and we must dream. Yeah. It has been the, I feel like the thorn of my existence when we're in this period of time, especially where there's so much press for productivity, you know, I'm like, you need to, you need to take the space just take it back. Take it back. You know? Yes. So, yes. yeah. Well, thank you for mm. your wisdom. And I feel like there's more ways that we will be engaging with you <laughs> in time to come. But I'd love to know you, again, you offer your support as a death doula. You offer... You offer so much, and I know that you're you're working on some writing to share with the world. So how is it that our community can stay in touch or just know what you're up to moving forward? Yeah. I think my Instagram is probably the most like active and where my the most in experimental and what I'm gonna be offering. So I say they would be a good start and you'll find my website there and, and other beautiful beings who I'm following. So yeah, follow them too, please. Um, we all need the support in the work we're doing and we're all doing this work together. Yeah. Beautiful. And what's your Instagram handle? Oh, Garuda Grin. <laughs> yes. Can you spell that though for the collective? <laughs> I can. <laughs> G-A-R-U-D-A-G-R-I-N, which is a mythical bird who like laughs in the face of death. So um, I love it. Yeah. That says everything we need to know about you. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining again, for channeling, for sharing your wisdom. And we'll be talking to you. We'll be seeing you. It was great to be in space with you again, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes.
Y'all, I am so excited right now because I am sitting here with my new friend. I feel like there's so much divine alignment, so I can call you friend, Sunny Brooks. Hey, Sunny. Hi. Sunny and her phenomenal partner and wife, TJ Brooks, are the founders of Soulful Vibes Co. And I need y'all to get out your phones as you're listening and just head over to Instagram and give them a follow right now. Soulful Vibes Co. is here for all your spiritual and metaphysical needs. I am so lit about the little goodies that y'all sent me. <laughs> but before we talk about those, can you just share a little bit about your origin story? So two things. One, I did battle with depression and anxiety for some time. Well, all of my life. But this specific time I was in therapy and they were talking about mindfulness. And I'm like, OK, let me go Google what mindfulness is. And I saw meditation. And then from meditation, there was a rabbit hole and I found amethyst crystal and rose quartz crystals. And I'm like, OK, well, these little colorful rocks. Funny thing is now do not call my crystals rocks. Do not. <laughs> but before I'm like, OK, little colorful rocks. If they say amethyst helps with depression and anxiety, let me go get one. I got one. And I remember every time I would feel anxious or I feel like I'm having a panic attack, I would just rub this little rock and I would calm down. And then with meditation. Meditation, I tried to start meditating. And funny thing is, I was like, Hour, that's cool. Like, I never meditated before, but I'm like, that's nothing. Just sit there, be quiet, close my eyes, sit myself into a panic attack. So I just started on that journey. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I let me do a candlelight meditation. Let me use this amethyst. And these things helped tremendously. And I'm like, okay, if this could help me, I know I'm not crazy. Let me. Let me tell other people. And it was helping them. And when my wife and I got together, she was like, look at this little colorful rock that I had like in storage or something. I'm like, where did you get that? She was like, I found it. It was amethyst. Wow. I was like, wow, that's divine. And she was just saying around that time, a lot of stuff transpired, but it helped her with mental clarity and stress. Yeah. So she's like, I used to just keep it. And then she ended up losing it after some time. And I, I was like, you know, it served this purpose. She was like, yeah, because I don't I'm not stressed as much. And I have mental clarity like I never had before. And yes. the second part of that is we traveled to L.A. about five years ago and we were looking for crystals and singing bowls and things like that. And we spent four or $500 on crystals. And those are the same crystals you can get on our site today for three, four, $5, but we just bought a lot of them. But each crystal was priced at 10 plus dollars. So I was like, this is so overpriced. Like, mm. no, like why are mm. we paying this much for something that comes from the earth? And I believe that everybody should have access to these items. And at that time, I did not see anyone that looks like me teaching what I needed to learn. And yes. for me, representation mattered. And I was like, if this can change my life, help my wife, I can just imagine how it can help other people and also specifically help my community, the black community and black women find a different side of spirituality and help heal themselves holistically. And that's kind of how we got started. Sunny, you summed up your origin story so beautifully. I want to just affirm a few things that I received. Number one, the way that you are so open and vulnerable about your own journey is what we need. Like, I have chills, you know what I mean? 
you and I have been in this space for around the same amount of time. Black Girl Noma is only about three years older than Soulful Vibes Co. But again and again and again, no matter how long I've been in this journey of holding space for more of us to enter and to have these conversations about holistic well-being, mental wellness, connecting with the earth, connecting with ourselves. There's still more people who need to hear this and to see it embodied through a Black woman, through a Black queer woman. It's so, so powerful. So thank you for what you and TJ do because y'all are really out here reminding us that all of this is for us and that there is real healing and connection that is accessible in I know that in addition to crystals, because y'all sent me the goods, y'all have (laughs) spiritual waters, oils, cleansing, herbs and salts. I mean, when I get in a bath, all I want to do now is soak up in some herbs that y'all sent me because it feels better for me to know that the source is from Black folk, right? That you all were very mindful about the accessibility behind it. And also, I don't know, that intention, right? Just energetically knowing that it's from you you means a lot to me. So if y'all are listening and you're just already like, where do I go circulate divine currency to support myself and support these phenomenal human beings? Head over to soulfulvibesco.com to get 15% off using the code BGIO15. If y'all have been longing to get some incense, some oils, some cleansing and and care for your yoni, whatever it is, like the thing is, they got it. So I'm curious, Sunny, what have you seen your community gravitate towards more in 2020 and 2021, which is when a lot more of us woke up, stepped into um, taking care of ourselves and our communities? So definitely crystals and cleansing sticks, those are two of our most popular collections anyways, but the amount we (laughs) were selling them my wife and I made a joke. We were like, we're slinging crystals and sage like we're dope boys because it literally was flying off the shelf. We could not keep white sage, any sage. We couldn't keep crystals on the shelves. We were ordering it by thousands and they were just flying off the shelf. So um, I would definitely say cleansing sticks, specifically white sage and blue sage because they both cleanse and blue sage specifically helps raise the vibration for money, prosperity and abundance. And I think that was something that everyone was kind of just like, look, we need any type of funds right now because people was out of jobs, but also people were um, relying mainly on side hustles and businesses. So they were trying to increase cash flow. So blue sage, white sage was cleansing because with white sage, the best reference I have for white sage is like bleach. It cleanses everything. So I think people were in a time where they needed a good reset to cleanse their mind, to cleanse their environment. They were home more. So they're like, okay, so the stuff that I could probably ignore and run out and get busy with work and ignore, I can't any longer. So I'm using something to cleanse it. That um, Florida water is basically, I call it like a liquid sage. It smells amazing, but They were using that because you can use it in your mop water and your laundry to get the aspect of cleansing and blessing without the smoke and without the smell. And crystals, our beginners set, we have a beginner's crystal set that has been selling. That and the money set and the depression set, those three sets have been selling tremendously since last year. And I can really understand why, given the times that we're in. Thank you for speaking to the importance of cleansing our space and our energy. I know that Sage and also Palo Santo is definitely a part of my practice. And I think that 
again, just having conversations about this is elevating awareness around the importance of being mindful of clearing and like who gets access to our space. And many of us are working from home now. And it's like our work lives and our work conversations are quite literally sometimes happening in our bedrooms or in our kitchens or in our living rooms. Clear the space out. Give yourself that blank slate. I want to lastly say, I love that on your website, you have the drop down to shop by intention. And I mean, y'all know this, but Black Girl and Own, we we really do our best, I'll say, to show up doing everything from a place of intention. So the fact that I can go here and shop um, based off of ancestral healing or the chakras or healing or love, like that lights me up inside. I'm wondering what intention intention are you really navigating 2021 with? Hmm. I would definitely say um, I have words at the beginning of every year. I have straight away from setting goals for the past year, two years, because I just haven't been very pulled to goals. Like I felt when you are trying to achieve certain goals, you can operate a lot of time out of masculine energy. And I have been trying to tap more into my divine feminine side. So I have been setting intentions and not necessarily goals. And my intentional word for this year is flow. Just trying to flow because I am very fiery and I am very trying to get things done and initiate things and do, do, do and check off the list. And I'm like, you know what? Let's step back. I want to flow. Yeah. I want to be free and I just want to be without having to do all the time. So that's definitely my intention. Uh, kindred spirits. I, when I tell you I'm in my divine feminine now more than ever, and it's just like, ooh, how big can she get? How big? And the answer is she's boundless. So it's really just eternally expanding. Thank you so much, Sunny, for your presence. My gratitude goes out to TJ as well. And I'm personally so grateful because the gifts that y'all sent me are helping me expand into my abundance and prosperity mindset. I remember I said, just send me all the money ones. Just send me all the money. Because <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. You know, we just finished 21 Days to Abundance in the Circle. That was so powerful. We'll definitely invite you and TJ to join us in the circle because I got this feeling during our conversation about doing some workshops in the circle around some of the things that you all are already doing. So I'm excited. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I affirm that you discover this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude. So special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic, Khalid B for your original music, Valerie Titus Glover and Rosalind Davis for your support in the production of this episode, and thank you, yes you, <laughs> for listening to the show. Y'all, Black Girl and Home is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and to learn more about us, head to blackgirlandohm.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for Black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl and Ohm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. 
breathe easy.